Section 17, Volume 3 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Moreau. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 17. When it was the one hundred and fifty-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the mouse heard the words of the flea, she said, If the case be as thou dost relate and describe, then be at thine ease here, for naught shall befall thee save the reign of peace and safety, nor shall aught betide thee but what shall joy thee, and shall not annoy thee, nor shall it annoy me. I will lavish on thee my affections without stint, and do not thou regret having lost the merchant's blood, nor lament for thy subsistence from him. But be content with what sustenance thou canst obtain, for indeed that is safer for thee. And I have heard, O flea, that one of the gnomic poets saith as follows in these couplets. I have fared content in my solitude with whate'er befell, and led life of ease on a water-draught and a bite of bread, coarse salt and a gown of tattered frieze, Allah might, and he be pleased, give me easiest life. But with what so pleaseth himself, I please. Now when the flea heard these words of the mouse, he rejoined, I hearken to thy charge, and I submit myself to obey thee. Nor have I power to gainsay thee, till life be fulfilled in this righteous intention. Replied the mouse, Pure intention sufficeth to sincere affection. So the tie of love arose and was knitted between them twain, and after this the flea used to visit the merchant's bed by night and not exceed his diet, and house himself by day in the hole of the mouse. Now it came to pass one night that the merchant brought home great store of dinars and began to turn them over. When the mouse heard the chink of the coin, she put her head out of her hole and fell to gazing at it, till the merchant laid it under his pillow and went to sleep. When she said to the flea, Seest thou not the proper occasion and the great good fortune? Hast thou any device to bring us to our desire of yonder dinars? Quoth the flea, Verily, it is not good that one strives for aught, unless he be able to win his will, because if he lack ability thereto, he falleth into what he should avoid, and he attaineth not his wish by reason of his weakness. Albeit he use all power and cunning, like the sparrow which picketh up grain and falleth into the net, and is caught by the fowler. Thou hast no strength to take the dinars and to transport them out of this house, nor have I force sufficient to do this. I the contrary, I could not carry a single ducat of them. So what hast thou to do with them? Quoth the mouse, I have made me for my house these seventy openings, whence I may go out at my desire, and I have set apart a place strong and safe for things of price and if thou can contrive to get the merchant out of the house, I do not doubt of success, and so be that fate aid me. Answered the flea, I will engage to get him out of the house for thee. And going to the merchant's bed, bit him a fearful bite, such as he had never before felt, then fled to a place of safety where he had no fear of the man. So the merchant awoke and sought for the flea, but finding him not, lay down again on his other side. Then the flea bit him a second time, more painfully than before. So he lost patience, and leaving his bed went out to lay down on the bench before his door, and slept there and woke not till the morning. Meanwhile the mouse came out and fell to carrying the dinars into her hole, 
till she left not a single one. And when day dawned, the merchant began to suspect the folk and fancy all manner of fancies. And, continued the fox, know thou, O wise and experienced crow with the clear-seeing eyes, that I tell thee this only to the intent that thou mayest reap the recompense of thy kindness to me, even as the mouse reaped the reward of her kindness to the flea. For see how he repaid her and requited her with the goodliest of requitals. Said the crow, It lies with the benefactor to show benevolence or not to show it, nor is it incumbent on us to entreat kindly one who seeketh a connection that entaileth separation from kith and kin. If I show thee favor, who art my foe by kind, I am the cause of cutting myself off from the world, and thou, O fox, art full of wiles and guiles. Now those whose characteristics are craft and cunning must not be trusted upon oath, and whoso is not to be trusted upon oath, in him there is no good faith. The tidings lately reached me of thy treacherous dealing with one of thy comrades, which was a wolf, and how thou didst deceive him until thou leddest him into destruction by thy perfidy and stratagems. And this thou didst after he was of thine own kind, and thou hadst long consorted with him, yet didst thou not spare him. And if thou couldst deal thus with thy fellow, which was of thine own kind, how can I have trust in the truth, and what would be thy dealing with thy foe of other kind than thy kind? Nor can I compare thee and me, but with the saker and the birds. How so? asked the fox. Answered the crow. They relate this tale of the saker and the birds. There once was a saker who was a cruel tyrant, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and fifty-second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the crow pursued. They relate that there was once a saker who was a cruel tyrant in the days of his youth, so that the raveners of the air and the scavengers of the earth feared him, none being safe from his mischief. And many were the haps and mishaps of his tyranny and his violence, for this saker was ever in the habit of oppressing and injuring all the other birds. As the years passed over him he grew feeble and his force failed him, so that he was often famished, but his cunning waxed stronger with the waning of his strength, and he redoubled in his endeavor and determined to be present at the general assembly of the birds, that he might eat of their orts and leavings. So in this manner he fed by fraud instead of feeding by fierceness and force. And thou, O fox, art like this. If thy might fail thee, thy slight faileth thee not. And I doubt not that thy seeking my society is a fraud to get thy food. But I am none of those who fall to thee and put fist into thy fist. For that Allah hath vouchsafed force to my wings, and caution to my mind, and sharp sight to my eyes, and I know that whoso apeth a stronger than he wearieth himself, and haply cometh to ruin. Wherefore I fear for thee, lest, if thou apest a stronger than thyself, there befall thee what befell the sparrow. Asked the fox, What befell the sparrow? Allah upon thee, tell me his tale. And the crow began to relate the story of The Sparrow and the Eagle. I have heard that a sparrow was once flitting over a sheepfold, when he looked at it carefully, and behold, he saw a great eagle swoop down upon a newly weaned lamb and carry it off in his claws and fly away. Thereupon the sparrow clapped his wings and said, I will do even as this one did, and he waxed proud in his own conceit and mimicked a greater than he. 
So he flew down forthright and lighted on the back of a fat ram with a thick fleece, which was become matted by his lying in his dung and stale till it was like woolen felt. As soon as the sparrow pounced upon the sheep's back, he flapped his wings to fly away, but his feet became tangled in the wool, and however hard he tried, he could not set himself free. While all this was doing, the shepherd was looking on, having seen what happened first with the eagle and afterward with the sparrow. So he came up to the wee birdie in a rage and seized him. Then he plucked out his wing feathers and, tying his feet with a twine, carried him to his children and threw him to them. "'What is this?' asked one of them, and he answered, "'This is he that aped a greater than himself and came to grief. "'Now thou, O fox, art like this, and I would have thee beware of aping a greater than thou, lest thou perish. "'This is all I have to say to thee. So fare for me in peace.' "'When the fox despaired of the crow's friendship, he turned away, groaning for sorrow and gnashing teeth upon teeth in his disappointment.' And the crow, hearing the sound of weeping and seeing his grief and profound melancholy, said to him, O fox, what dole and doler make thee gnash thy canines? Answered the fox, I gnash my canines because I find thee a greater rascal than myself. And so saying, he made off to his house and ceased not to fare until he reached his home. Quoth the Sultan, O Shahrazad, how excellent are these thy stories, and how delightsome! Hast thou more of such edifying tales? Answered she, They tell this legend concerning the hedgehog and the wood-pigeons. A hedgehog once took up his abode by the side of a date-palm, whereupon roosted a wood-pigeon and his wife, that had built their nest there and lived a life of ease and enjoyment. So he said to himself, This pigeon-pair eateth of the fruit of the date-tree, and I have no means of getting at it, but needs must I find some fashion of tricking them. Upon this he dug a hole at the foot of the palm-tree, and took up his lodgings there, he and his wife. Moreover, he built an oratory beside the hole, and went into retreat there, and made a show of devotion and edification and renunciation of the world. The male pigeon saw him praying and worshipping, and his heart was softened toward him for his excess of devoutness. So he said to him, "'How many years hast thou been thus?' replied the hedgehog. "'During the last thirty years.' What is thy food? That which falleth from the palm-tree. And what is thy clothing? Prickles. And I profit by their roughness. And why hast thou chosen this for place rather than another? I chose it and preferred it to all others, that I might guide the erring into the right way, and teach the ignorant. I had fancied thy case, quoth the wood-pigeon, other than this, but now I yearn for that which is with thee, quoth the hedgehog. I fear lest thy deed contradict thy word, and thou be even as the husbandman who, when the seed-season came, neglected to sow, saying, Verily I dread lest the days bring me not to my desire, and by making haste to sow I shall only waste my substance. When the harvest-time came and he saw the folk earing their crops, he repented him of what he had lost by his tardiness, and he died of chagrin and vexation. Asked the wood-pigeon, what then shall I do that I may be freed from the bonds of the world and cut myself loose from all things save the service of my Lord? Answered the hedgehog, Betake thee to preparing for the next world and content thyself with a pittance of provision. Quoth the pigeon, How can I do this, I that am a bird and unable to go beyond the date tree whereon is my daily bread? And even could I do so, I know of no other place wherein I may wone. Quoth the hedgehog, 
thou canst shake down of the fruit of the date tree what shall suffice thee and thy wife for a year's provant then do you take up your abode in a nest under the trunk that ye may prayerfully seek to be guided in the right way and then turn thou to what thou hast shaken down and transport it all to thy home and store it up against what time the dates fail and when the fruits are spent and the delay is longsome upon you address thyself to total abstinence exclaimed the pigeon o oh, allah requite thee with good for the righteous intention wherewith thou hast reminded me of the world to come and hast directed me into the right way then he and his wife worked hard at knocking down the dates till nothing was left on the palm tree whilst the hedgehog finding whereof to eat rejoiced and filled his den with the fruit storing it up for his subsistence and saying in his mind when the pigeon and his wife have need of their provision they will seek it of me and covet what i have relying upon thy devoutness and abstinence and from what they have heard of my counsels and admonitions they will draw near unto me then i will make them my prey and eat them after which i shall have the place and all that drops from the date tree to suffice me presently having shaken down the fruits the pigeon and his wife descended from the tree-top and finding that the hedgehog had removed all the dates to his own place said to him o hedgehog thou pious preacher and of good counsel we can find no sign of the dates and know not on what else we shall feed replied the hedgehog probably the winds have carried them away but the turning from the provisions to the provider is of the essence of salvation and he who the mouth corners cleft the mouth without victual hath never left and he gave not over improving the occasion to them on this wise and making a show of piety and cozening them with fine words and false until they put faith in him and accepted him and entered his den and had no suspicion of his deceit thereupon he sprang to the door and gnashed his teeth and the wood-pigeon seeing his perfidy manifested said to him what hath to-night to do with yesternight knowest thou not that there is a helper for the oppressed beware of craft and treachery lest that mishap befall thee which befell the sharpers who plotted against the merchant what was that asked the hedgehog answered the pigeon i have heard tell this tale of the merchant and the two sharpers in a city called sinda there once was a very wealthy merchant who made ready his camel loads and equipped himself with goods and set out with his outfit for such a city purposing to sell it there now he was followed by two sharpers who had made up into bales what merchandise they could get and giving out to the merchant that they also were merchants wended with him by the way so halting at the first halting place they agreed to play him false and take all he had but at the same time each inwardly plotted foul play to the other saying in his mind if i can cheat my comrade times will go well with me and i shall have all these goods for myself so after planning this perfidy one of them took food and putting therein poison brought it to his fellow and the other did the same and they both ate of the poisoned mess and they both died now they had been sitting with the merchant so when they left him and were long absent from him he sought for tidings of them and found the twain lying dead whereby he knew that they were sharpers who had plotted to play him foul but their foul play had recoiled upon themselves so the merchant was preserved and took what they had then quoth the sultan o shahrazad verily thou hast aroused me to all whereof i was negligent so continue to edify me with these fables quoth she it hath reached me o king 
that men tell this tale of the thief and his monkey a certain man had a monkey and that man was a thief who never entered any of the street markets of the city wherein he dwelt but he made off with great profit now it came to pass one day that he saw a man offering for sale worn clothes and he went calling them in the market but none bid for them and all to whom he showed them refused to buy of him presently the thief who had the monkey saw the man with the ragged clothes set them in a wrapper and sit down to rest for weariness so he made the ape sport before him to catch his eye and whilst he was busy gazing at it stole the parcel from him then he took the ape and made off to a lonely place where he opened the wrapper and taking out the old clothes folded them in a piece of costly stuff this he carried to another bazaar and exposed for sale together with what was therein making it a condition that it should not be opened, and tempting the folk with the lowness of the price he set on it. A certain man saw the wrapper and its beauty pleased him, so he bought the parcel on these terms and carried it home, doubting not that he had done well. When his wife saw it, she asked, What is this? And he answered, It is costly stuff which I have bought at the lowest price, meaning to sell it again and take the profit. Rejoined she, Oh, dupe! Would this stuff be sold under its value unless it had been stolen? Dost thou not know that whoso buyeth aught without examining it falleth into error and becometh like unto the weaver? Quoth he, And what is the story of the weaver? And quoth she, I have heard this tale of The Foolish Weaver. There once was in a certain village a weaver who worked hard but could not earn his living save by overwork. Now it chanced that one of the Richards of the neighborhood made a marriage feast, and invited the folk thereto. The weaver also was present, and found the guests who wore rich gear, served with delicate viands, and made much of by the housemaster for what he saw of their fine clothes. So he said in his mind, If I change this my craft for another craft easier to compass, and better considered, and more highly paid, I shall amass a great store of money and I shall buy splendid attire, so I may rise in rank, and be exalted in men's eyes, and become even with these. Presently he beheld one of the mountebanks who was present at the feast, climbing up to the top of a high and towering wall, and throwing himself down to the ground, and alighting on his feet. Whereupon the weaver said to himself, Needs must I do as this one hath done, for surely I shall not fail of it. So he arose and swarmed upon the wall, and casting himself down, broke his neck against the ground, and died forthright. Now I tell thee this, that thou sayest, Get thy living by what thou knowest, and thoroughly understandest, lest peradventure greed enter into thee, and thou lust after what is not of thy condition. Quote the woman's husband, Not every wise man is saved by his wisdom, nor is every fool lost by his folly. I have seen it happen to a skilful charmer, well versed in the ways of serpents, to be struck by the fangs of a snake and killed and others to prevail over serpents who had no skill in them and no knowledge of their ways. And he went, contrary to his wife, and persisted in buying stolen goods below their value till he fell under suspicion, and perished therefore, even as perished the sparrow in the tale of The Sparrow and the Peacock. There was, once upon a time, a sparrow that used every day to visit a certain king of the birds, and ceased not to wait upon him in the mornings, and not to leave him till the evenings being the first to go in and the last to go out. One day a company of birds chanced to assemble on a high mountain, and one of them said to another, Verily we are waxed many, and many are the differences between us, 
and there is no help for it but we have a king to look into our affairs so shall we all be at one and our differences will disappear thereupon up came that sparrow and counselled them to choose for king the peacock that is the prince he used to visit so they chose the peacock for their king and he become their sovereign bestowed largesse upon them and made the sparrow his secretary and prime minister now the sparrow was wont by times to quit his assiduous service in the presence of the king and look into matters in general so one day he absented himself at the usual time whereat the peacock was sore troubled and while things stood thus he returned and the peacock said to him what hath delayed thee and thou the nearest to me of all my servants and the dearest of all my dependents replied the sparrow i have seen a thing which is doubtful to me and whereat i am affrighted asked the peacock what was it thou sawest and the sparrow answered i saw a man set up a net hard by my nest peg down its pegs strew grain in its midst and withdraw far off and i sat watching what he would do when behold fate and fortune drave thither a crane and his wife which fell into the midst of the net and began to cry out whereupon the fowler rose up and took them this troubled me and such is the reason for my absence from thee o king of the age but never again will I abide in that nest for fear of the net, rejoined the peacock. Depart not thy dwelling, for against fate and lot forethought will avail thee not. And the sparrow obeyed his bidding and said, I will forthwith arm myself with patience and forbear to depart in obedience to the king. So he ceased not taking care of himself and carrying food to his sovereign who would eat what sufficed him and after feeding drink his water and dismiss the sparrow now one day as he was looking into matters lo and behold he saw two sparrows fighting on the ground and said in his mind how can i who am the king's wazir look on and see sparrows fighting in my neighbourhood by allah i must make peace between them so he flew down to reconcile them but the fowler cast a net over the whole number and the sparrow happened to be in their very midst then the fowler arose and took him and gave him to his comrade saying take care of him i never saw fatter or finer but the sparrow said to himself i have fallen into that which i feared and none but the peacock inspired me with false confidence it availed me not to beware of the stroke of fate and fortune since even he who taketh precaution may never flee from destiny and how well said the poet in this poetry whatso is not to be shall ne'er become no wise and that to be must come to pass yea it shall come to pass at time ordained and the ignoramus eyes shall cry alas whereupon quoth the king o shahrazad recount me other of these tales and quoth she i will do so during the coming night if life be granted to me by the king whom allah bring to honour and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say End of section 17 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3